Let's read verses 12 to 17. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 to 17. This is the word of God. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God. This morning, I think the main idea of the text is pretty clear. Christ came to save sinners. Christ came to save sinners. This morning, we'll have two points this morning, and there are two things I want you to walk away this morning to remember, to remember. One, remember the mercy and grace of Christ. The first is to remember the mercy and grace of Christ. And the second will be to remember the patience of Christ. Remember the patience of Christ. Point number one, remember the mercy of Christ, mercy and grace of Christ. We live in dangerous times. Paul knew that Timothy was also living in dangerous times. Many were fleeing the faith that they once claimed. They've been deceived by endless ideas that wasn't from Christ. How does the Apostle Paul aid Timothy? He points, to, he points Timothy to remember the mercy and grace of Christ. I think that is the theme of verses 12 to 14. Let's look back at it. He says again, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith that and love that are in Christ Jesus. We see that Paul is giving thanks that Jesus has given him strength And he also gives thanks that Christ has judged him faithful. Now, I think it is good to note here that Paul isn't saying that Christ looked down into Paul and saw something in him and therefore judged him faithful. Paul gives us actually plenty of reasons why Jesus wouldn't, in fact, call him faithful or call him to do anything. Paul says he is the foremost of sinners. What Paul is saying is that he has been judged faithful to Christ because Christ called him 
period. Paul is giving thanks for strength because Paul understands that the strength is not coming from himself, but the spirit of God that lives within him. The only way that Christ could judge Paul as faithful is that the spirit of God would dwell within Paul. Paul is trying to explain and to show how actually undeserving he is to be called into the fold of Christ. Paul says he has received mercy from Christ because he acted ignorantly in unbelief. So a few weeks ago, uh, in my sermon in 1 Timothy 1 1 through 11, I laid out the definitions of mercy and grace, and I'll go ahead and repeat it here again. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. And grace is getting what we don't deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Paul knows that he has no business to commune with God. But Christ called him. He chose him to his purposes. This is the same Paul that blasphemed God, killed Christians, and was an absolute rebellion against God, and yet God showed him mercy. He showed him mercy. Friends, have you ever taken a moment out of your day and pondered the mercy that God has shown you? We can look at Revelation 14 verses 9 to 10, we see that it says, And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and suffer and sulfur in the presence of the lamb. Friends, I bring this text not to scare anyone, but to present a very real reality that awaits those whose God's mercy does not apply to. To the Christian in the room this morning, frankly, we have no business being a Christian. Zero. There's nothing within ourselves that had God saying, aha, I want that one. We have done nothing to receive anything from God. But God called you faithful because Christ said so. Because Christ said so. The grace of God has been extended to you because God placed his spirit within you. The mercy of God is withholding his wrath from you. And the grace of God is the spirit working within you and guiding you. Ponder your worst moments and sins in your life. And then reflect on the mercy and grace the Lord has extended to you. Paul says here in verse 12 that he gives thanks to Christ because of the strength he has been given. He has been given him. Personally, I found this convicting this week. Recognize that I don't give God thanks enough for the strength he provides to me through his spirit 
day to day? Do you? When is the last time you have given the Lord thanks for providing, for providing strength to be a professing Christian? In verse 14, it says, And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. I love how Paul uses the word overflowed here to describe the grace of God. You see, getting mercy of, of God also comes with also receiving the grace of God. When one receives grace of God, it should overflow, as Paul says here. In fact, the overflowing of grace of God leads to a life that has been transformed. Friends, Paul was killing Christians, but the outflowing of the grace of God will propel him to die in the same manner as the ones he used to kill. Paul went from killing the faithful to, be, to being killed as faithful. The overflowing grace of God was at work in Paul, and it was, allowed, it was what allowed him to be faithful. And it is that same grace that Paul received from God is also the grace that we have received as well. Not too long ago, so if you know me, you know I love raising canes. It's delicious, and if you think Slim's is better, then we'll talk about God's grace for you too. Um, I went to Raising Cane's and I got my normal box combo, okay? And if anyone knows me and who has been there with me, you know that one sauce is not enough. I always ask for two, maybe three. But recently I forgot to ask for the extra sauce. And to my torment, I had to use the only one that they gave me. I had to make every drip of that sauce count. It was awful. Friends, this is not what the grace of God is like. We do not have to wonder how much or how little it might be, but Paul says it's overflowing. It never ends. So the, the Christian in the room this morning, you should have an abundance of confidence that Christ, in Christ because his grace is never ending and that his grace is an endless well of life giving water. So praise God that we don't have to wonder when our last taste of grace might be. Praise God that we don't, the abundance of grace that has been, uh, the, the abundance of grace that has far surpasses any sin that we could ever commit. And praise God that his grace is what strengthens us to be faithful and continually molds us and forms us into the likeness of Christ. So when Paul wrote to the, Church in Thessalonica, you see in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, he says, for this is the will of God for your life, your sanctification. The overflowing grace of God will also fulfill the will of God in our lives, which is our sanctification. The grace of God through his spirit will complete this task in us. So friends, remember the mercy and the grace of Christ. Our second point this morning is to remember the patience of Christ. Remember the patience of Christ. 
In verse 15, Paul couldn't be more clear of what kind of people Jesus was after. He says that this saying, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Notice how Paul does not say that Jesus came to save those who are trying to do the right thing. He does not say that Jesus came to save those who would have followed the law better than another. Paul does not say that Jesus came to save the most successful and rich. Paul does not say that Jesus came to save those who had their life together. No, Jesus came to save sinners. He came for the most unlikely. He came for those whose hearts were in complete rebellion against him. Christ came to save those who seemed to be so distant from God. That's who Christ came for. You see, the problem back when Paul was writing to Timothy, there were plenty of Pharisees who couldn't understand this. In no way do they think of themselves as sinners. Why? Because they thought that they were doing enough by the law of God. They thought they were, because they were teachers and preachers of the law, that they were above everyone else. Not only were many of them denying who Jesus was, they also completely misunderstood the law in which they were trying so hard to follow in order to gain God's approval. Friends, the answer to finding approval from God lies nowhere near within us. It is in the finished work of Christ that we find hope and approval with God. The Jews of the time were expecting their king, their Messiah, to rule as an earthly king. But the Son of God, Jesus, came to rule as an even better king. Christ would come into the world and live as a, a sinless life and would die on a cross bearing the wrath of God for his people and would rise victoriously, defeating death itself. And now sits at the right hand of the Father as our king. If we would repent and believe in Jesus, we can have and be in right standing before God. So if you're here this morning, I want you to consider Paul's words in verse 16. He says, but I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. If you are a Christian today, how long has God been patient with you? How long has God been patient with you? Paul was killing Christians and hated the Christian message. Paul himself says he is the foremost of sinners, and yet Christ saved him. Satan loves to tell us we are far gone from God, that we're too far gone. Satan loves to tell you that there's no way that you can find peace with God because of all that you have done. But Paul is here to tell you that is not the case. Throughout the scriptures, God calls the most unlikely and uses them for his purposes and his glory. Do not leave here today thinking your sins are too great for a God that gives grace that overflows. Members of Emmanuel, 
Let me say a word to you specifically this morning. I want you to think this morning of someone who drives you absolutely crazy. And you've definitely thought, as we all probably have our best Southern accents, God bless that soul. Because you think they're too far, but you think they are far from redeemable. Personally, I've thought about five of them in the last week. I want you to consider what Paul is saying in verse 16 as well. The playing out of the perfect patience of Christ is a continual preaching of the gospel by us Christians to those that need Jesus. Friends, we are Christians. We as Christians and members of the same church as a covenant together, we are to be sharing the gospel with those around us. We are an extension of God's grace to our non-believing friends, our coworkers, and our family members. Every time we share truth and the love of Christ with them. Friends, God has been patient with us. If, God, if Paul is, saying him, is calling himself the foremost of sinners, the same guy who planted many of the early churches and who is an apostle, what then does that say about us? Remember the patience of Christ and the patience that Christ has shown in your life. We have all been that person that has messed up in some way. Maybe you've even gotten a bless your heart from someone else. If God can save you, he can definitely save those that you think might be too far gone. If Paul can go from killing Christians to being killed for being a Christian, then whoever you might roll your eyes at and think God can't change them, you're wrong. Share God's word with them. Make time to get to know them and share Christ's love and patience he has shown to them. Every day we wake up is a day we live under the grace of God. Friends, for those who don't know Christ, the days of living under the common grace are dwindling. And the day of judgment of God is fast approaching. They need Christ. They need to hear how they can know and have their sin reconciled before a holy God. I would challenge everyone this week, if Christ has saved you, remember the patience Christ has had with you and then invite someone you know who isn't a Christian over for dinner. Have them in your home. Get to know them. Get to know their story. And as you get to know their story, share your story. Proclaim the patience of, that Christ has shown in your life and that they can know this Jesus too. Friends, evangelism is the job description of the Christian. We should live our lives in such a way that we are looking for any and every situation to tell others about the perfect patience that God has shown in our lives. Some of you uh, might know that I've been to a country in Asia a handful of times. One of those trips, I was there for six months. While I was there, one of our biggest ministry opportunities with my friend and I was actually playing on a football team that traveled all over the country to play other teams. 
The team was made up of nationals who were mostly successful businessmen or college students who aspired to come to America for school, thus taking up the interest of the game of football. So during those six months, we, got, we rubbed shoulders with about 35 of these guys, with them and their families. One of, one of those which professed Christ as a savior, but the rest, quite frankly, wanted nothing to do with Jesus or religion. Every night, the guys partied, drank till they couldn't stand up, bragged about how many women they were sleeping with, loved to talk about smoking any kind of drug that they could get their hands on. That was their lifestyle. I remember thinking towards the end of our stay, at the end of that six months, wondering how much did we waste our time with these guys. We did countless Bible studies, of which many of them would sleep through. We had them over for countless dinners and lunches. We did everything with them and sharing the gospel more times than I can count. We felt super discouraged thinking we had just wasted the majority of our time there. Fast forward a couple years later, Chad and I returned to the same city for a wedding that we we're supposed to be in, and we decided to stay for a couple extra weeks uh, to make the trip worth it. We started hanging out with Ryan, who was our friend, who was getting married. He was also the, the lone Christian on that football team. And I asked Ryan about the other guys because I hadn't, frankly, I'd lost touch with them. And he looked at me and he says, have you not talked to them? Nope, I have not heard from them. <laughs> Turned out, months after we had left, over 20 of them ended up professing Christ. and they were baptized in the church there. God saved who I thought was unsavable. God saved the unlikely, and God saved over 20 sinners. Those guys are exactly who Christ came to save, and his perfect patience in their lives taught me a lesson that day that I learned of their salvation. Christ can and will save anyone he pleases. Our job is to be faithful, to preach, and to share the word of God with others. Tell of our hope of Christ, and then simply watch the Lord do work in the lives of those that encounter his word. Well, we are in danger, aren't we? We have so many competing ideas and desires that Satan would love to use to distract you from Christ. But we have protection, and that protection is in Christ. We must remember the works of Christ and the mercy and grace he has lavished on us. We must remember the perfect patience he has had with us. We must remember and teach ourselves these truths constantly to keep us in the straight. And narrow. Paul wanted Timothy to be encouraged by the mercy and the grace of Christ. Paul wanted Timothy to be encouraged by the fact that Christ used Paul to display his perfect patience that he had with them. And friends, may we remember these truths and embrace them for an encouragement for our souls as we go on. Let's pray. Lord, we are so undeserving of your grace and mercy. Lord, you have been so patient with us as your people. 
Lord, thank you for saving us. Thank you for providing Christ as an atonement of our sins that we deserve to die on that cross. Lord, help us to live lives that are faithful to you and your word. And Lord, may our lives bring honor and glory to you forever and ever. It is in Christ's name we pray. Amen.